Hi, I'm Catherine Gallagher. Jan Pesson. And this is Bitchin' About Food. Okay, a little housekeeping here. Jan, do you remember when we were recording with Doug and James and I spent like, I probably said seven or eight times that I haven't seen those guys in 23 years. Yes. And they sat here and they're like, yep, 23 years. And I'm like, yeah, 23 years. And then my friend Mark goes, Gallagher, they were, you all were at my 40th birthday party and my wedding. <laughs> Which was 23 years ago? No. His 40th birthday party was like 12 years ago, and his wedding was like five years ago. And we none of us had any memory of this whatsoever. All wow. three of us are like, oh, yeah, 23 years. We had no memory. Wow. But I think what I was thinking of is when they came over to my house for dinner, which was 23 years ago. Maybe you didn't talk to each other at either of those events. I don't think we did. So, therefore, <laughs> it really is me. 23 years. And the other thing is, I said at the very beginning, I go, oh, don't forget to, um, don't forget to plug your... Let me plug your projects. Let me plug your special, your book, your this, your that. I totally forgot. Mm. The moral of the story is we're getting older. We're not getting any younger. Well, the moral is you're not going to see them for another 23 years. <laughs> That's the moral. I also was thinking about the fact that I have to clean up the dishes as well as cook and everything and how it was shocking that I had to clean up as well. But I was also thinking that doing the dishes for me is like act two of a play. Like if I cook the dinner, that's like act one. And then act two is cleaning up. If I let somebody else do the dishes, it would feel like act one, I was on, and then act two, I sent on the understudy. Hmm. When I lived with you, there was a lot of understudying going on. Because <laughs> I don't remember you ever doing a dish. You just never did dishes. You were very helpful. Okay. Yes. Okay. Valentine's Day's over. Did you get your heart-shaped box with your stuffed animal? I, I did. Oh, God. Not for my mother, but I got one. From who? None of your beeswax. Okay. Hmm. From the cats. Right? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, you made lamb chops for us, um, and they were delicious. Thank you. Thanks for buying them. Yeah. And what else? Uh, we had an earthquake here in California. Yeah. Bit, yeah. 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 And finally, before we get to our guest who's sitting right here. Waiting patiently. <laughs> wondering, why did I drive all this way to sit here and hear these two losers chit -chat? Listen, that's not what this is about. We went to Musso and Frank for dinner the other night. I hadn't, nice. I hadn't been there in... A thousand years, and I had the best fettuccine alfredo of my entire life. Just saying. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's still there. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Enough about that. Housekeeping's over today. Okay. We are welcoming a very special guest. Mm. I'm very happy that yes. this girl finally said yes to being on our podcast. I asked her way back when, and she was like, "Well, I don't know. I don't really do podcasts." And I'm like, "Okay." She may not do podcasts, but she can do everything else really well. Everything so else. I have no doubt. Really she can, well. Please yeah. welcome to the podcast, Heidi Bauer. Yay. It's very exciting. Yeah, Thank I'll you for having me. me. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Okay, so before I forget, I'm not going to hold off till the end. Heidi and her sister Susie run a fabulous company here in L.A. called Rock, Scissor, Paper. Mm -hmm. Very fabulous www.rockscissorpaper.com. Get on there and start ordering some stuff because it's really, really great. Here's my dilemma with rock, scissor, paper. Uh, my boyfriend is an antiques dealer and he goes and finds Christmas cards for nothing at antique sales, estate sales, yard sales, and brings home boxes and boxes of cards. I used to order all my Christmas cards from Boxes of Paper, and now I have, like, so many Christmas cards. I have Christmas cards that's going to last me until I'm 167 years old. That's okay. I am an advocate of sending any kind of Christmas card. People so rarely do it anymore. 
you don't have to buy mine, but put a card in the mail. Yeah. I think, yeah. You know. I think it, I, I agree with you, Heidi. There's a different there's a difference between getting an e-card mm-hmm. or an email or you know, cards are very personable. Yeah, and everyone I know, not everyone, but I shouldn't say that. People do send me cards, but so many people these days are like, I don't have time to do that. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But yeah. when you bitching that you don't have time to do it on Facebook, you have time to sit on <laughs> Facebook yes. and bitch about it, but you don't have time to just sit down and like people have forgotten that like sending a card is about thinking about the person you're sending it to. Yes. It's not about you. It's about saying, hey, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. So if you decide that's not valuable in your life, then okay. Uh, no judgment. Like you may reach out and connect with people other ways, but... I get a little tired of the rhetoric of why you can't send cards. Yeah. So send all the vintage cards you come across. That's well, fine with me. <laughs> okay. Good. Because Speaking, but your your cards have a taste of vintage to them anyway. They I always do. thought yeah. that's what Absolutely. I like best about them. Yeah, they sort thank of you. were very vintagey sort of in a new in a new way. Yeah, and sadly we make fewer Christmas cards now than we have yeah. ever made yeah, because that is sad. it's just a segment of the market that doesn't really really exist much anymore yeah that's too bad that's okay yeah and they make other things too like onesies for babies and buttons and mugs and very very fun creative all designed by you and Susie items thank you really good thank you really fun it's interesting that you talk about sending cards and stuff i don't remember getting a christmas card from you but i I don't i sent you one okay i (laughs) do not send you a christmas card yeah that's right you live right next door. Well, I send you one and you live right next door. I know. Because and I'm I thinking always... about you, Jan. Okay, thanks, Heidi. <laughs> Jan, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. My God. Okay. Anyway. Okay, fine. Enough with this. We're not here to talk about greeting cards, although I'm glad we did. We're here to bitch about food. And when I called you for the pre-interview, I wanted to make sure that it was okay if we, if I delved a bit into your childhood, which I know something about, because... For our listeners, you may remember that originally we had our beloved engineer, Nick, and now we have our beloved engineer, Will, but our beloved engineer, Nick, is Heidi's half-brother. I don't like the term half. (laughs) What term are we using here? Brother? Just brother. 149% brother, yes. Okay, 149% (laughs) brother. Because Heidi and Susie were living with their mom and dad, and then... Your mom died? Mm -hmm. She was diagnosed with cancer when I was two years old and died of it when I was 10. And Susie was 12. 10 and 12. And then your dad remarried? Mm -hmm. Pretty much right away. Deborah. Mm -hmm. And in very rapid succession, they had four children, one of whom is Nick. Yes. So you had the very unique experience of having basically two different moms in Mm -hmm. your childhood, even though Deborah wasn't, you know, she was kind of like a stepmom or whatever. But I guess what I want to talk about is because you're so good in the kitchen, so good at all the stuff that you do, not just greeting cards, people, but like cookies, which Jan and I are very excited. We got Heidi brought little boxes of cookies for us. And and I'm going to read what they are, if I can see without my glasses, chocolate, black sesame cookies, and salted rosemary grapefruit shortbread cookies. Delicious. And they're in a beautiful box, and they're wrapped beautifully. And the first thing Jan said was, do you have the same cookies that I do? Sorry. What? 
The first thing you said. I know what I said. Okay, you know what? Boy. But Heidi, of course, was smart enough to say, yes, they're the same cookies. She, yes. knows, she knows we don't want to start fist fight here. Well, yeah. How did you, did you learn, did you, was your mom, your birth mom, a cook? She was not. Um, really? I have memories of her cooking. Well, I should back up and say my mom was from Belgium and my dad was from Germany. And he immigrated here first with his family and then was stationed with the U.S. Air Force in um, France. And he liked ladies and he could not get lucky in France because French women at the time didn't like Americans and they didn't like Germans and he was both at this point. Okay. So he would go over the border to Belgium to go to nightclubs and that's where he met my mom and then eventually brought her to the United States. So she was not a cook. I don't know a ton about her upbringing. Um, her mother died very young, so I suspect she probably didn't learn a lot at the side of her mother. Um, but my mom, my memories of my mom was her trying to cook things to make my father's mother happy. <laughs> Wait, did your father, did your father's mother live with you guys? No, they lived in New York, but they would come out a couple times a year okay. and stay with us. Um, so she wasn't a big cook. I mean, my really only strong memories of her and food growing up were going to the butcher shop and we would buy pork, veal, and beef, and we would come home and grind it in a meat grinder to Ooh. make the mix, the ratio mix. And I don't remember what the ratio is <laughs> of what was the basis for so many things that she would cook in a European style. Like if you made you know, spaghetti sauce, you wouldn't use just beef. Right. It was this mix. Right. Um, I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah. I kind of love that. But who did the bulk of the nightly cooking when you guys were little? I don't know. You know, she was in and out of the hospital. I don't recall, really. I think she probably did it, but I don't have strong memories of food with her as a child. Okay. I mean, probably one of my strongest is that she bought Oreo cookies when my friend came over for a play date, and that seemed like such a, an amazing American thing <laughs> because a lot of the food we ate was very European-tinged. You know, like I had liverwurst sandwiches in my lunchbox, you know, sometimes. I ate liverwurst as a kid, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so not a whole lot of memories with that. Okay. So then your mom passes away. Mm -hmm. And then new marriage, mm -hmm. little kids. You and Susie are like, hmm, what's going on here? The only common denominator is your dad. Yeah. So who cooked in that marriage? Um, our stepmom, Debbie, did. She did? Um, we called her Debbie. Her name was Deborah, yes. Um, she did. And I think... My distinct memories of that is that she did put a proper dinner on the table every night, and it always had a salad. And sometimes, because she worked full-time and my dad worked full-time, she would leave a recipe for Susie and I to get started before she came home. Oh, interesting. But she did cook a proper dinner. Um, Which was hard, because she actually did have kind of a big job. Yeah. I mean, she worked. I mean, it's complicated. Um, she had some eating disorder issues, which... I've only, as I've gotten older, sort of understood how that has factored into my views about food and body image and stuff. So, you know, it was what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. okay, so I guess the question is, how did you how did you learn or how did you become? Because when I go to your house, I have it written down here further on down the road. When I go to your house, uh, the last time I was at your house was for Susie. Susie, your sister, had a, a significant birthday. We won't mm -hmm. reveal what it was. <laughs> and um, the couple of times I've been to your house, and 
the couple of times I've been to Susie's house, you guys are just on a par with excellent. I mean, the hostessing is just the attention to detail is incredible. Every every appetizer is perfect, and every everything is so good and flavorful and really well thought out. Like, where did that? Did that just sort of organically? Well, thank you for saying that it was yeah. perfect. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I found faults with it. Um, I thought about this after we had our little pre-conversation, and I have to say that my love of cooking and baking and hosting comes from the house that Susie and I lived in together in our early 20s. Um, when I was 20 and my roommate situation was ending, Susie and her now husband, Will, were both living with parents, you know, and had never moved out. And we had the opportunity to rent what was my great-grandmother's house. Is this the one over in Beverlywood? Yeah. You lived there? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Susie and Will were there 14 years. I was there for the first seven years. And at the time, I was cleaning that house on Saturdays to earn extra money. My grandma was paying me to come clean the house. And it was just so incredible. And at that point, our great-grandmother was too ill to live alone. So she was going to live with my grandmother in the valley. And the house was going to be vacant. So I asked my grandmother, is there any way that Susie and Will and I could rent it? And so we became roommates. And I think just having this fabulous house that felt so beyond what our 20-year-old friends were living in. (laughs) Well, let me interject and say that that fabulous house is where I lived when I first landed in L.A. That's right. I forgot that. 2000. And this house was amazingly great. And Jan, you know this house. Oh, yeah. I mean... It was an entertaining house. The, it was it was old school, old Hollywood, Spanish style yeah, house. Yeah, that's exactly what and it was. And that was everything that that entailed with yeah. the outdoor patio. Remember the courtyard in the right. front? Oh, my it was God. beautiful. Stained glass in the beautiful. front window. A kitchen with like vintage appliances that worked beautifully. Gorgeous old windows. Mm-hmm. There was some sort of like like hexagon or octagon hallway? Well, the house had no hallways. It had an octagon or whatever shaped room in the center of the house with a domed ceiling with a stained glass skylight. Right. And then all the rooms came off of that so that there didn't have to be any hallways. It was gorgeous. I don't know why they don't do that in more houses. It's kind of awesome. And the living room was phenomenally great. And that's that's where Susie had that Christmas party that one time where I was telling you and we were laughing about that cocktail. We're going to get to cocktails in a bit, but when we get to cocktails, remind me to tell you. Um, So that house was the house where you and Susie sort yeah. of nurtured your ability think, to cook and totally. host us. Yeah. And I think where, when I look back now, hosting people and food for me is just all about love and relationships and making people feel valued and cared for with food. Yeah. And that could come from my childhood of not feeling cared for in that way. Yeah. You know, because of circumstance with my mom being sick or whatever. Um it's just my love language. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. And I think that house just gave us that that platform to explore that. And this is the early 90s. So like at the time, the two things that were huge influences on us in learning to cook and was Martha Stewart, yeah. who I will go yeah. to my grave saying yep. is a national treasure. Yep. She has 
a depth of knowledge about so many things, mm-hmm. whether it's cooking, baking, gardening, house cleaning. Yeah. Like, she really does. Even if you rolled your eyes at her, she yeah. forced you to think. Mm-hmm. About f- the right way to do something. and Or just a better way, yeah. you know? Like, like, she did this whole thing where she put, what did she do? She took, like, a milk carton or some big tub and put a bottle of vodka in it and filled it with ice and twigs and flowers and rosemary and then pulled it out so that the vodka was stuck in this floral thing of ice. And I thought, oh my God, what a ridiculous thing. But I couldn't stop thinking about it. I just wanted to do it. You know? <laughs> right. like, to have a reason and occasion to do it. Yeah. Like, you know, it yeah. was like, it, for me, I was like rolling my eyes at the, on the one hand. On the other hand, I'm like, damn it, I wish I had a bucket that I could fill with ice and put twigs in. You know, yeah. Susie had my 40th birthday party out on that patio. Yes. My 40th birthday. And I think she had the party for my aunt for her 70th out there as oh, well. Oh, wow. okay. It, it definitely yeah. was the house. It was, it was the house. You guys were definitely... Yeah. Yeah. It was extraordinary. It was. And it was one of those houses where, I mean, I don't want to put it like this, but it's almost, it was almost an obligation to entertain in a weird way because it was so conducive to. Yeah. You wanted to share that vibe with people. Yes. Yeah. And what goes with that vibe? Yeah. Yummy things to eat, cocktails to clink glasses in. I mean, it just all sort of unfolded. So what's the other thing? Martha Stewart was one. And we had a book, cookbook called The Silver Palette Cookbook, if you remember that. I do. Yes. Which was like a great reference for sort of basic, like vinaigrette, basic, you know, just things that we were new to us. Yeah. Being young adults. Because it was kind of like pre-internet. Sure. Totally pre-internet. Like you sort of had to scrabble around on your own to figure stuff out a bit. Like, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. But that artistic side to both you and Mm -hmm. Susie, just, you, that just came naturally from the time you were... yeah, I think so, and I think some of it is rooted in when our mom was sick, Susie and I spent a lot of time on our own, and we loved fantasy play, whether it was, let's play covered wagon and you know pretend to cross the United States with our dolls as our children suffering from famine, you know. <laughs> 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 or we had an elaborate pet hospital thing we would play where we had little... Um, file boxes with x-rays we would make and prescriptions and invoices for the veterinary services. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I really believe like for children that that's where creativity grows is in that just free range sort of entertain yourself. Yeah. Not that we didn't watch TV. No. We consumed a lot of Partridge Family, a lot of Brady Bunch, you know. The Partridge Family. I love Shirley But I do think that's where creativity uh, flourishes. Well, yeah, well, also, but but you have a good point in that there's something about the way you and Susie look at the world yeah. that is apart from a lot of people, even creative people. You know, like we know a lot of creative people, but there's something about the way you guys execute your, execute your ideas. Thank you. That, and the talent that goes behind that. I mean, it's a step, it, it's beyond what I would call <laughs> nor, normal. Yeah. It's it's above and beyond. Yeah, because I mean, when, when you and Susie used to work at, at Freehand together, you would always come home and say, God, Susie just, you know, she just she just arranged this case, like, perfectly. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> Carol, who owned the shop, she, who still owns the shop, would say, uh, Susie, you work on this display, and Jan, could you just work on this display? And then Susie would create this... <laughs> incredible gorgeous you know whatever that should be in a museum and i'd get done with mine and carol being 
the kind person that she was was like, that's great, but let's just move a couple of things. And by the time she was done, she had completely (laughs) rearranged the whole thing. Susie, maybe you'd like to help over here with Jan's thing. (laughs) Yeah, we need to put Jan somewhere else because she's not happening. You you go pack up some boxes, Jan. That's You're good there. She was not wrong. Susie's husband said something to her recently, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember the exact words, but he said... That Susie and myself, he said, you and Heidi, you always take things to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Like where someone else would be like, okay, that looks great. Done. We take to the next level. And I have to be honest, I'm not like trying to be modest by saying this, but we don't realize we're doing that. No, of course It's just how our brains work. Right. I get that. We're very critical, not in a, a bad way toward things that we do, but in an analytical way of like... How do we make this better? How do we make this communicate the way we want it to? How do, you know, like we Which, take great joy in that. Yeah. Right. Well, that's that's evident. And that's why you have a successful business that you have. And that's why when I move into a new place, Susie comes over and hangs all my stuff on the walls. Because, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. I'm not stupid. For sure. I know. I know. You know. Yeah. And then it's like, here, here's a dinner. Wasn't it worth it? Yeah. You know. Exactly. Anyway. Well, and I, I remember your one party for just desserts. Remember you had you had a party out at your at your house and it was all desserts. Cake versus pie. Was I, it that one? I, it has to be at my house I currently live in, or at Susie. The no, one I live you in? you the one you live in currently now. Yeah. yeah. So that must have been the cake versus pie party, which was a legendary party. Legendary. A lot of friends are like, "Oh, you have to do that again." But part of like my creative brain is I don't like to repeat. Hmm. Like. It was amazing and perfect and organic of how it came together. It was a party that came out of, this is the early days of Facebook when you would post whatever on there. Um, I posted a picture of a hand pie that I had made and it was oozing like raspberry goo Mm, out of it. Hand pie. And it was delicious looking. And I posted it and I wrote, sorry, I think pie kicks cake's ass. And all these comments, you know, started coming in from friends either lining up on the side of cake or pie. And my neighbor at the time, this gal, Carissa, who's awesome, she was loved to cook and bake, too. She saw it, and we started talking. We're like, let's have a party to decide this issue. <laughs> so it ended up being a 4th of July party. And somehow I conceived with Susie of this crazy, like, 1970s Americana patriotic theme. It was very odd, but very cool. And Will built me a voting booth, and we had this whole party where we asked everyone to either bring a cake or a pie, store-bought, favorite, or homemade. Like, I'm not a snob of it has to be homemade. (laughs) If there's a pie out there you love, I want to eat it. Yeah. Bring it. And we had an unbelievable spread of cakes and pies, and people had to vote on their favorites of what they ate, and then also on the general issue of what was better, cake or pie. What one? I don't... Cake won by one point. Oh, that was probably me. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was me. You did it. I did it. (laughs) The election was rigged. That was rigged. I did it. Oh, God. And I mean, honestly, if you asked me cake versus pie, my answer would be cookie. Or ice cream, yes, or bread. Okay. We're gonna get to, we're gonna get to your, we're gonna get to your cookies. But I love them all. Well, let's talk about your let's talk about your current house, your situation at your current house because you're married now to your your man you've been with for a hundred and sixty years. We just celebrated thirty two years oh. together. Oh my god, I love that. Oh my I god, Heidi, how's that possible? Yeah. Oh my God! Really? And well, Christ. Susie met Will yeah. in high school too. I mean, I know. Susie okay. Will have been together for thirty six or thirty seven yeah. years yeah. or something. Oh my God! Yeah. Crazy. Okay. 
But at your house now, you have something that is near and dear to my heart. You have a bar. <laughs> we do. In your backyard. And I'm not, not I'm not talking about like a little, you know, tiki hut that you can buy at Home Depot. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is like a bar with a chalkboard with a full bar with stools and lights. And I mean, gorgeous. Isn't it called chalkboard? It's called blackboard. Blackboard. Yes. And her husband, Jeff, is a craft cocktail master master he loves himself not a good... masturbator but master <laughs> jan sorry. don't bring down the podcast I, I can't into help your it. gutter ways. i apologize i'm sorry so he creates cocktails and i'm still drinking one of them that he created years ago called italian summer which is so good it's that artichoke liqueur i never know how to say it chinar Chinar. yeah i don't know either c-y-n-a-r yeah, yeah chinar and um mint and Limonata soda from Trader Joe's. You can buy it. And it's the most delicious cocktail ever. So good. Mm. So good. And when Susie, when they had their old house in Beverlywood, Susie had a Christmas party once and she served a martini. I want to say it was a peppermint martini. No, it was a vanilla martini. Vanilla martini with a swizzle stick that was rock sugar, clear rock sugar swizzles. Mm. So it looked like diamonds were floating in this and I said, where'd you get these rock sugar swizzle sticks? And she goes, oh, Surface, which is a, for those of you who don't live in L.A., it's a store that is like a cooking store. You know, they sell like all sorts of fabulous cooking things. So I ran over to Surface to find these things. And I was so blown away by the store that I applied for a job and got a job there. <laughs> Part-time job for a while. That was, before, that was before I started working at your thing. That's right. Yeah. I forgot you did that. I went over there to get rock sugar stirrers and ended up with a job. <laughs> And you also worked as at, one does. Yeah, yeah. No, you worked at that other place too. Yeah. Oh, what was the other one place that you worked at? Oh well, it doesn't matter. Another food place like that. Yeah. Yeah. Surface for the holidays. Yeah. You got another. I can't think of the name of the place, but yeah, yeah I do remember that you did that. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, it was so good. I mean, anyway. anyway. So, your situation now with Jeff, you said, and this blew my this blew me away. And you had the best quote, which was, "Marriage is a series of texts." basically saying, what, what do you want to do for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> you share your cooking duties with your husband. Yeah, we do. He loves to cook. That's unbelievable. I mean, I mean most weeknights we keep it really simple. It's like a protein and a vegetable. But he's... Yeah, but I mean, do... Okay, let's, let's yeah. break this down. Because Jan and I, as you know, are the chief cook and bottle washer 100% <laughs> from start to finish. We shop for it, we bring it home, we cook it, we clean it up. That's what it is. How do you divide? I mean, do you guys cook together? Is it like a cozy, let's chop vegetables together while having some wine and listening to jazz? Or is it you take it one night and he takes it one night? There's no planning. about. There's no like planning of dividing of the duties. It just sort of happens. Whoever jumps in, if there's a lot of chopping, one person will grab another chopping board. I mean, I probably do a little bit more of it, but... Like when I left home, he was finishing up making this delicious Middle Eastern shallot dip that he makes once in a while that um, is with uh, labna, which is a kefir. I know. I yeah. love labna. And these dried shallots we buy at the Mediterranean market that you rehydrate. Fabulous. So he was busy making that. Um, I don't know. We have a really easy relationship with that. Um, the thing we struggle with is dishes. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a dishwasher and we cook pretty much every meal from scratch every day. 
So there's always a lot of dishes, but I'm all about like, how do you reframe something in your life? So we reframe that as, hey, it's couples time. And we put on music and we put on aprons and we do dishes together. Yeah. And somehow reframing it as a fun couples activity makes it less brutal. Yeah. Um, but we love, um, we both love a cooking project. Maybe a recipe we came across online that's like, hey, do you want to try and make this? And we love going to grocery stores is one of our favorite things to do. Like, I love I love grocery yeah, stores, Yeah, like we'll go to 99 Ranch Market and just walk around and like buy things that we don't know what they are just to try. Yeah. Um, so we love a project like that, yeah. which... Um, that's very we'll, unusual. I mean, I can tell you just we've been doing this for a year and change now and having that type of dynamic in a long-standing relationship like that is is surprisingly not more common. Hmm. Usually one person <laughs> seems to be bearing the 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 most the the most brunt, I guess the brunt of the thinking about it, but like that's what I was talking about earlier, like the thinking about food. Jan and I have to yeah. always think <laughs> about it. Are, who does the thinking about the food? If you guys are dividing the duties, are you you don't really plan at all. You just kind of like... On Sundays, we do try to plan and do a little bit of meal prep or at least think through our week and say, you know, what's going on this week? Are you out any nights? Um, we try to always make at least one recipe that's something we can kind of eat off for a couple of nights. Oh, that's okay. You so know? you do leftovers. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do leftovers. I do like to freeze a lot of stuff. Me too. In individual portions. So Me too. if I'm traveling for work, you can open the freezer and there's stuff in there. Yeah. Um, but it's a pretty, I mean, and I think being to, with someone for a long time, and you know this, um, things ebb and flow. I think there's been times where he's shared more in the cooking and times when he hasn't, depending on what job he was at at the time and what his commute was like. Um, oh, yeah, that's another yeah. thing. Yeah. If he's at a job where there's a big commute, that does affect affect his ability to suddenly, you know, after, if he's been in traffic for an hour and a half, he's not going to come home and slam cooking, but you'll be cooking. So. Yeah. So we have a really easy thing with that. And I mean, as far as like, I know it's easy to like let resentments build up if you feel like you're doing more than another person. But I often remind myself if I was single, I'd have to watch, wash the kitchen floor anyway. Yeah. Right. If I was single, I'd have to make myself breakfast. So I just choose to not have like resentments about balance yeah you know yeah I don't yeah I mean I think I've equity there's some places in the relationship where there's just never going to be equity and that's okay yeah that's fine and people show up in different ways yeah exactly and maybe you exactly. show up you know in a relationship let's go back to the dishwasher because <laughs> I <laughs> you don't but, have a dishwasher no. no yikes okay wait but I have to tell you this weird story because I didn't realize this the apartment that I'm living in now has a dishwasher and when I moved in there 11 years ago, I realized that it was the first apartment that I'd ever had with a dishwasher since I left home. Wow. So I went from 1981 to 2011 with no dishwasher. And I remembered, like, on my third day in my apartment, how fabulous it is to have a dishwasher. I was like, oh, no, I can never be without a dishwasher. Federal was my first one. It was. Around the same time, yeah. yeah. I'd never had a dishwasher prior to that. It's such a I was it's such a game changer 50. because, yeah, fifty. Yeah, I was fifty-one when I had my first yeah. adult dishwasher. I have the opposite. 
I had a dishwasher when we owned a condo. We had a dishwasher. And then when we bought our house, no dishwasher. So it's so, much worse to have one and then not, not have oh, yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you yeah. put one in or you can't put one in? Our kitchen, our house was built in 1950 and it's the original kitchen. Um, and I would love to redo it. Um, when I come across a spare $75,000, exactly. perhaps I will. yeah. But I can't easily put one in oh, because of okay. the depth of the counters. Like, it'd be a whole process to put it in in not a great way. It'd be a lot of Christmas cards. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. lot of Got it. mugs. As much as I wish I had a fancy new kitchen, you know, I just often remind myself, like, we make do with what we have and we make amazing food out of this humble space. No, when I when I moved into the house with the dishwasher, I was like, I'm not going to use that. <laughs> That's the first thing yeah, I you, said. You finally no, have no. one. I was like, I'm not going to use that. I'll just, I have always washed my dishes. Why would I use a dishwasher? Ha, 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 yeah. ha, ha. That's well, all I do is use the dishwasher. Yeah. And I've been in my house 11 years and I'm already on my third wow. dishwasher, which by the way, is on the way out. Mm. And I only got it two years ago. Well, how no often way. do you run it? A ton. I run mine once a week. So I run mine a ton. Because I'm okay. cooking all the time. Yeah, well, do a dish every now and then. <laughs> I don't like doing dishes. Okay. Well, no, really, I remember. No, you don't. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. To no, no, that's okay. No, I, you know, I'm just, I'm still, I'm just so enamored of the fact that you have this thing with Jeff where you can share the cooking and the food and the grocery thing. You know, it's pretty cool. I mean, and on a day-to-day -day basis, we share it. But also, like, I have to say that we entertain a lot, Jeff yeah. and I. We love having people over, small, big, whatever. But we love planning that stuff together. I mean, people tend to give me credit for a lot of the stuff because I'm the creative one. But really, he's really creative about it, too. He would never acknowledge that. But so many of the fun ideas we have for entertaining, whether it be food or activity or otherwise, he's the one that plants the seed. And then, of course, I go to town and take it to the 20th level. But he really is my co-conspirator in yeah. coming up with those ideas and thinking of fun dishes to serve. And was he was did he was he raised by a cook? Was his mom a cook? Yeah, she actually um, was a caterer for oh. a portion of his life. Okay. Uh, which he enjoyed because she did a lot of catering for the Forum in the 70s. Oh, cool. So he got to go see a lot of amazing rock and roll acts for oh, free yeah. at the Forum yeah. by just going to help his mom carry some stuff in for the catering because she would do the Forum Club, their like, mm. VIP club. Yeah, your husband's a big music guy. Yeah. Big music guy. So, yeah, that's the other thing about Heidi. You know, she'll post like, like she goes to clubs and she sees all this music and all these bands and, you know, I'm still listening to... My Saturday Night Fever album from the seventies, but Heidi has. <laughs> I got I got Glenn Miller. <laughs> I tell you, Heidi is a little hipper than us. That is for sure. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, that goes without saying. But that's a pretty us. low bar, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> I'll sorry. take it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. You know, when you were talking earlier about how you know most people would just be happy with a certain thing, and you and Susie have to kind of bring it to the higher, you know. Dean has a nickname for me, which I at first I hated, but now I realize it's very appropriate. Good enough, Gallagher. That's kind of my thing. Good, like I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's good enough. You know, just throw it on. Who cares? You know, I'm not one to go back and go. I need to make this absolutely 
Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist. I have noticed in the last few years, though, um, well, baking is my absolute joy. Well, it's we're my happy place. That's my next thing. But I mm-hmm. love watching The Great British Bake Off. I've watched every season, every cancer-raising, fundraising special they've had, every holiday special. I've watched The Great Australian Bake Off, The Great New Zealand, The Great South African, The Great Canadian during and American during COVID. I even watched the great Italian bake-off, which was not in English. So <laughs> I would watch it anyway. And I had a little notebook where I would jot down words like that. I figured out, oh, that's raspberry in Italian. Um, but I do find when I bake now, when I'm testing out, it's done. I'm looking at it. I'm tasting it. I hear the judges in my head. <laughs> I hear their common critiques of like, what went wrong and I kind of view it through that lens and I don't feel bad about that because I always want to improve my skill set yeah so but I do have it's weird it's like it lives in my head now from hearing so many bakes judged it's like "Mm, nope how's your sponge do you make a good sponge (laughs) oh no that's always the thing right how's your sponge (laughs) always the thing in the British bake-off how's that sponge Sponge. how's that sponge everything looks so good on that show I just want to eat it no, your cookies are, I mean, God. I Everything. Everything. The cookies. Yeah. I mean, Dean saw your latest Christmas cookie post. I don't know where he saw it. I, maybe I showed it to him and he goes, he goes, you couldn't do that if your life depended on it. And it's true. The last time I tried to use royal icing on a cookie, this guy was at my house for Christmas Eve. By the way, it was the last time he ever came over for Christmas Eve. And he goes... Looks like somebody came on your cookies. I'm like, okay, that is really not Christmassy. <laughs> wow. You know who that was. I do. <laughs> it did. It, and, and you know what? He was right. I just don't have any patience whatsoever. to. And and your cookies look like lace and ice. And Nick was saying how he goes, yeah, and it's also Heidi makes a really good, solid Christmas butter cookie, which is surprisingly hard to do. And it is. I've tried all these recipes. I've tried Heidi Swanson's and Martha Stewart's and everybody, and I can't get that butter cookie ratio right. And it's a pain in the ass, and I hate it. I, I will. Oh, thanks to Nick, I will agree with him that the base cookie we use for decorating our cookies is so good. It <sighs> stays good for so long. Yeah. It's very flavorful. Where's um, that recipe from? It's Did from you... the kitchen. That the, website? The website, the kitchen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, I've been making it for years. When you roll it out to cut it, it's the most luscious texture. It holds its shape when it bakes. I'll sometimes make a big batch of it and just roll it out into sheets and then freeze it in flattened sheets so I can just pull a sheet out of the freezer and cut them. I do have to say, though, the, the decorated sugar cookies you've seen me post from my Christmas cookie paloozas, I did not decorate those. What? I can. Of but course you can. Cookie Palooza we do every year at my house for Christmas. It's friends and um, the kids and family. Uh, my sisters and I do it where we just bake a million cookies and then package them up and, and give them to people. And on that day, I'm usually too busy running around. Things are in the oven. We serve savory food, you know, for the whole day. I'm socializing with people. I do not have the mental space to sit down and decorate a cookie. My sisters, Katie, Nono, and Susie, are so good at doing the royal icing. I just, it's so hard. Yeah. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can do it, but I cannot take credit for those Christmas ones. They really do a beautiful job on that day. All that flooding and borders Mm -hmm. and colors and (laughs) I'm like, fuck, why can't I do this? I I have no desire to try. I just want to eat them. I don't don't want to make them. 
I yeah. want to eat them. Yeah. Although I think cooking is fun. Baking is fun. I don't think cooking is fun. Baking is fun. That's yeah. my take on it. I would agree with that for the most part. Yeah, because... I enjoy cooking, but I wouldn't call it fun. It's like, it's utilitarian to me. It's like, well, I have to eat, so I have to cook food, but I don't have to eat sweets, and I don't have to make or bake something. That's yeah. why I want to. It's fun. Yeah. It's like childhood fun. Yeah. But you take these, I feel like with baking, you generally take these very humble ingredients, because really most baking is what? Butter, sugar, flour. And some spices, and you can just create so many different, amazing, incredible treats from these simple ingredients. So it's kind of like magic. Yeah. It if, is kind of like magic. If, if the person doing it is a magician. Which <laughs> Otherwise, it's a disaster. Right. <laughs> exactly. I feel, that, I feel that magic sense when I make bread. I'm a pretty good bread maker. That's one thing I will say. And that's one thing I don't really do. Yeah. I like making bread. Bread is on my deathbed meal. Like if someone asked me, what's your last meal? What would it be? It would literally be bread and butter and that's it. Yeah. But I don't don't make it. <laughs> my list would be hmm. a lot longer than bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about food in general mm -hmm. because Jan and I spend a good deal on this podcast bitching about L.A. food because we grew up in Chicago. We, we came up in Chicago. We didn't grow up there, but we came up there. And as I was telling you, I have a theory about that. I think, you know, the city where you kind of became an adult is always going to have maybe your fondest food memories, if if that's a thing. But, I mean, we also have a theory that food in the valley is somehow better than food on the west side, and you live in the valley. What's what's up with what's up with L.A. food? Are, do you find it hard to find a good restaurant that you can go to where you can get a meal that's under $300? <laughs> you know, I have to admit, I was thinking about this question and I feel like I go out to eat less than ever yeah. in my life. Yeah. Um, I Why? Kind of, Why? Money? Money. Um, I mean, COVID changed everything, right? Yeah. So... When I first started going back to restaurants during COVID, it was where can we sit outside? Yeah. What restaurant can we sit outside comfortably at? And that narrowed it. Um, I don't know. Have I don't know what has changed. Have, have restaurant has restaurant food changed in the last couple of years? Has it gotten worse? I think for me, I find that a lot. I want the whole, if I'm going to spend the money to go out, I don't mind spending good money on food. Yeah. I know what it costs to make food. I waited tables for. 13 years. So I know what it's like, you know, the other side of the restaurant business. But when I go out, I want the whole shebang. I want atmosphere. I want hospitality. I want food. I want to be there with people I love and have great conversations. And I find if I don't have all those components, I feel like I, like it wasn't worth it. Gypped. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, of course, we have our neighborhood places we frequent, you know, whether for dine-in or take-out, but I don't go out as much as I, I used to, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you think the Valley has better food than, say, the West Side? No. No? I think there'd be the argument to make that it has better, for lack of a better term, I don't know if it's correct to say ethnic food anymore, but I think there's a lot of food, whether it be Filipino or Mexican or Salvadorian or Syrian, there's a lot of small places that you can get really great food like that in the Valley. Yeah. yeah, that's not the case here. I mean, there are some places here, but yeah. No. I just remember when I moved here in 1995, 
going out and finding a restaurant to eat at at a reasonable price and getting really good food was not that big of a chore. And it yeah. seems like it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say reasonable price, I mean reason not $50 a person. Yeah. I mean, well, reasonable. Yeah. And grocery shopping, too. We talked about, you know, I, I, I was thinking of you today because I was going to, I went to like a bunch of different grocery stores. <laughs> I, went, I went to the Mexican grocery store. I went to, you know, the other grocery store. Yeah. And just in search of, you know, 50 cents, a dollar cheaper, this and that. I mean, food has just gotten astronomically expensive. And I don't even know if that's true, like in Chicago. I'll be going to Chicago in May. And, you know, I sometimes go to the grocery store when I'm there, but but it seems like the food here in the stores has gotten really expensive and farmer's markets are expensive. And it's just like... Farmer's markets are shockingly expensive. Shockingly expensive. <laughs> yeah. And you just got back from New York. Yeah. Because you and Susie did a trade show just recently in New York. Yeah. And we... And I want to talk about New York food. You know, it's funny. Like, well, we've spent a lot of time in New York over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. I think this was trip number like 52 or something to New York. <clears throat> um, and oftentimes when I'm there, I'm not the one picking where we go because we're meeting up with friends that live there, and so they're choosing the place. Um, I've had some amazing nights out in New York, especially with my one friend, Heath, who would always used to plan what he called a high-low evening. So we would either go for really high-end cocktails, like one time it was this Jeffrey Zakarian place called The Lambs Club, mm. where the waitresses looked like straight off the runway in like couture cocktail dresses serving the most exquisite cocktails and the like $48 cheese plate that was like three chiclet sized pieces of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> but it was incredible. It yeah. was like, it was an art deco masterpiece that it was in. And Carrie and, Bradshaw walked in. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. And then that'd be the high and then the low would be go get dollar pizza on the corner yeah. or we would do vice versa, you know, like go somewhere really low end to start the evening. Dive bar yeah. and then a fabulous meal. And then a fabulous meal, yeah. which is always fun because I think you could really say about New York that those are the, the two extremes that very much exist there. Yeah. I do find that when we're in New York, because we're usually there for like eight or nine days at a time, that I miss California food. What do you miss? I feel like in sort of middle level restaurants, the food is much heavier in New York. We're here, I think it's much more vegetable focused, much more like vegetables and grains, like interesting grains and salads and stuff. I don't find that as much there. I feel like I eat like much heavier and I crave sort of the lighter seasonal California fare. That I think that's true also in Chicago too. It's heavier in Chicago for sure when I go back. I don't know if I'm I don't I don't know if I miss California food when I'm back there, but I do notice that portions tend to be bigger. There tends to be a lot more heavy stuff that they use. I also love that in New York, they're not shy of their carbs, right? No. You walk down any street and there's a deli with a massive display case of cheesecakes and slices of cake and yeah. bagels and like no shyness whatsoever. I feel like here we're a little more covert about our carbs. Like just literally acknowledging that we are possibly eating them. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, New York has Zabars, which mm -hmm. I could go into Zabars and just eat my way through Zabars mm -hmm. with yeah. no problem. Russ and Daughters. And then, you know, like when I'm out, here's my complaint. When I'm out, like, you know, on some Shishi street, whether it be Montana Avenue in Santa Monica, wherever it is, like I'll see all these new like bread places mm -hmm. and I go and I buy their bread and it's not good. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but hmm. it's not good. 
Is it just it's, a different style of bread? I, it's that, like bread probably made in a watered, processed, whatever way it's made. It's not, it's not good. Hmm. It's just not. And I'm like, so is this less fattening bread? Is that why <laughs> it tastes like this? Or... Or what are we doing here? Why why aren't you just making good bread? I don't understand. Yeah, there's like there's a lot of challenges. There I mean, I remember when we were visiting Louise in Chicago and she's like, Oh, you gotta go to this bakery place. They make a croissant and it was the first time I'd had a croissant since I left Paris where I was like, Oh my god, I think this is good as as good as what I ever had in Paris. Yeah, I think it was, it was Florial. amazing. Florial. It was amazing. Yeah. I don't find that here. I oh, don't. I'm going to send you to the valley. There's an amazing place called Breadology, a little hole-in-the-wall place in a strip mall, and they have amazing baguettes and amazing croissants and pastries See? in general. That's, That's what the I'm thing. Saying. That's the thing. That's the valley. The hole-in-the-wall in the strip mall is mm-hmm. such... When I think of L.A. food, I think of some of the best meals I've ever had are at a hole-in-the-wall in the strip mall. Like, And, and it's hard to find... You almost have to have second sight. Like you have a you have the, you have a native's eye of looking at a strip mall and going, that place could be good. Whereas I just see a strip mall, I'm like, eh, I don't want to eat in a strip mall. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think in LA and in the Valley in particular, it's like there's just so many strip malls. There's got to be right. something in there. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I can think of like if I think back to being a young person in Los Angeles and discovering food at a different level for the first time, I can think of. Two things, both were in strip malls. <laughs> One, a boyfriend at the time took me out for Thai food in the valley. I had never had Thai food. Oh. And it was a hole in the wall, you know, a little family run place. And it blew my mind. It was like, what are these flavors? What are these, f- this freshness and this heat? Like, mm. it was like nothing I'd ever had. Yeah. And the other one was when we lived in that old house, there was a restaurant on Wilshire and like Crescent Heights area in a strip mall. It was called, I think, Cafe LA. And we would go there and they had a coffee roastery on site, which was strange. They had like all this equipment where they would roast their own coffee beans, which we'd never heard of. But they had this dessert that was a sliver of flourless chocolate cake served with a little tiny ramekin of the most perfect chocolate pudding. Oh, God. Which is such like a childhood thing, right? Chocolate pudding. But it was elevated to such a level. And the, the contrast in textures between the luscious creamy pudding and the flourless chocolate cake, it was like, it opened my mind. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. those are both strip malls, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, when, I, when, I, when I lived with Susie over in that same house, she said, well, you know, we like this place over in a strip mall in Westwood called Poquito Mas. <laughs> And An it, LA institution now. Yeah. It was delicious. I mean, I had never had, you know, Mex- I mean, I had Mexican food in Chicago, but that was really good. And then there was another place, the, um, there was a Thai place near you guys over on like Olympic and Robertson that was really good too. Uh, again, in a strip mall. And I thought, is this, is this what restaurants, because in Chicago, you know, you walk down the street and it's all these old buildings and new buildings and that's where the restaurants are. I mean, if you go to the suburbs of Chicago, they're in the strip malls. But in the city proper, you know, they're generally kind of out. They're street culture. You can walk out. Like Jan was talking about, you can walk out. and So I think it's just an adjustment in your vision, in your sight. Yeah. I don't know. It's changed. It's L.A. food has changed for me since I have moved here. Yeah. And I think I've changed. That's That's part part of of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But the food has changed. I mean, if we're going to bitch about food and restaurants. We're bitching. It's we're the bitching. topic on so many people's minds lately is 
the excessive addition of fees to Uh already expensive restaurant menus. And I remember this is several years ago now. I was on the email list for, do you remember Luke Restaurant? Yes. They're no longer open, but I was on their restaurant email list and um, they sent out an email and the subject was great news. And the subject of the email was that they were now adding a 3% healthy LA fee to their bill to pay for health insurance for their employees. And it was worded as if I should be so excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> and it really I've seen I, that on I've seen that on bills before. Oh, it's everywhere now. Everywhere. And it's all of them say you can request for it to be removed, but are you really gonna be that asshole that's like, yeah, I'd like this three percent removed from my check? Like it 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 puts the onus on you as the customer to say something. I think that's completely wrong in a hospitality setting. But a restaurant like Luke, which if anyone had never been there, it's an expensive restaurant. Oh, Very yeah. high end. I Very. would say like entrees probably started at $42. Easily. Yeah. If you can't factor in an extra 3% to that price at a place where the menu changes all the time because they cook seasonally. It's not like California Pizza Kitchen where you go every week with your family and you know that this pizza is $13.95 or whatever. No one's going to know what the price was a week before. If you can't factor that in to a place that expensive, what I don't like about it is it's inserting me into the employee-employer relationship. Yeah. The negotiation of what is being paid to that employee. Restaurants are a hospitality business. And I, I just don't like that. I think I, they're extending I think they're extending the idea of the tip because mm-hmm. My friend, I have a friend who really doesn't enjoy tipping all that well. And he's like, why should I pay for, why should I pay for their salary? You know, that's mm-hmm. the restaurant owner's job. I'm like, well, that's just how it's always been. Yeah. You know, the restaurant owner pays a small fee per hour and then the onus of tipping falls to the customer. And I think it's an extension of that. I think restaurant owners are like, well, hey, you know, we need to figure out a way to offset our costs because it's astronomically expensive. How about if we just add fees so that some of the things that I used to be able to cover as a restaurateur, I can no longer cover. Let the customer cover it. But you're right. Why do you have to point it out to the customer? Just raise your prices for your entrees. Yeah. Don't say, oh, good news. You get to pay more money to help my yeah. employees get health insurance. And I mean, I'm complaining about it as someone who worked waiting tables for 12 years so and I'm earning my living off of I tips. Waited. I, so don't ob- I don't object to tips, but it's become this nickel and diming thing where restaurants are becoming like airlines. Yeah. They don't want to say what their price really is, what the cost to serve you this piece of salmon is. So there's nickel and diming. I had an experience at a restaurant recently where I went to lunch by myself, little neighborhood independent place I like. And I had a caprese panini that came with a little salad that they didn't even toss with the dressing. I had to do that myself, (laughs) which is a pet peeve. Um, And an iced latte. And the check came and... I paid it, and first of all, it hit really differently eating alone. My check with tax and tip was $29 to just have a little sandwich and a coffee for lunch. I was like, that's basically double minimum wage. So someone earning minimum wage would have to work for two hours just to pay for this little lunch. And I say it hit differently because if I was with you having dinner and the check came, right, and it was like, okay, it's 90 bucks with 30 each, I wouldn't even bat an eye. But somehow alone I did. But then I was like, why are the prices different than what the menu said? And I had to leave to go to a doctor's appointment. And while I was waiting at the doctor, I'm like looking on Yelp for to see the menu, like with the prices of this restaurant. 
And it turns out they now are passing off the 3.85% credit card fee Oh yeah, onto that the one. check. Yeah. Yet they never told me I could pay cash and have the prices match the menu. <laughs> they just raised right. the prices yeah. and passed that off. And I understand that restaurants operate on very slim margins, but a lot of industries operate on very slim margins. And what other industry can make a sale to a customer and then just add on all these other costs? Yeah. I know. It's weird. I mean, when we waited tables, when you and I waited tables, mm-hmm. we, I mean, we had health insurance. Our employers paid for it. Yes, they did. We, we They paid for 100%. 100%. We made crappy money hourly, but we got great tips and they provided health insurance. I think it also speaks to the health insurance industry that's changed. Yeah. Everything's it, become so expensive. Food is well, crazy. Well, that was my next thing. You know, it is a domino effect. Yeah. And I and I do think that since COVID, I think because certain hospitality industries suffered such a great yes. loss that there was this thing when they came back of well we got to make it back up. We got to make it, you know, and everyone felt everyone had saved up by not eating out right. or not going to restaurants. So everyone's willing to pay these astronomical prices yeah. just to go sit and eat at a restaurant. We were all just so damned excited. Yeah. And but that health insurance thing, foisting it off onto the customer, oh, that yeah. was around before COVID. It was. Yeah, it was, it was before COVID. Yeah. It was. But what's happened now is it's never going to go back down. No. No. Like we're, we're, we're at where we're at. And everyone's like, Joe Biden and inflation. It's like, it's not Joe Biden's fucking fault. It's corporate greed. It's, yeah. it's just greed. Exactly. It's just greed mm-hmm. from, from every corner, every walk. It's like, no, you don't need to, like, how much money do you need to make? But, you know, people are not good at heart. I don't care what Anne Frank says, and I don't care what certain <laughs> movies say. They're wrong. They, they, they are Gecko, or whatever his name is in the Wall Street movie. Gordon the, Gecko. Gordon Gecko. Yeah. Greed is good. Well, I don't think so, but that is people's nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, we have a minute and a half left. Oh, oh my goodness! We? A minute that just left. Flew by. Oh, that did fly by. So I'll shut up. We'll okay. S- we will suspend our talk Damn about it. Gordon Gecko. I wanted to get into <laughs> Heidi's techniques for baking her her. Stuff. Heidi's techniques for baking are: she bakes us cookies and gives us cookies, and, <laughs> well, and we pretend that we right. made them. Of course, if I gave Dean some of Heidi's cookies, he'd be like, "You did not make these. There is no way you made these. You didn't package these like this. This is not a good enough gal." Well, you're going to have to come back, Cook. Heidi. Okay. Yeah. You didn't have enough time. But if you do come back, bring cookies. <laughs> anyway, it's been really, really great to talk to you because it's there's just a treasure trove of things we could talk about with you that everything, everything is just a creative journey with you. And it's really been an honor and a pleasure to have you with it's us. It's been so fun talking to you guys. It literally yeah. feels like five minutes have gone. I yeah. know. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well... Well, Well. that's all we have for now. So thanks, you guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.